little ballpoint thing on it because when the shop clicks are done, it's not like a wood chipper. <laughs> on the podcast, you may have noticed. Anyway. For the entire hour and a half, so. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Smart Social Media. My name is Katie. My name is Shaw. We are no longer at Booking Out, so. No longer. We're trying to come back to the real world. I know we, like, were mentioned that we might have another podcast from Bookcamp, but you know what? It raved up a lot. <laughs> yeah, it started raining, and we were lucky to have crypto dinner. So. So, you know what? Sometimes you just get what you get. Yeah. And this is, uh, it's probably better audio-wise. I actually don't know how our other one sounded. I don't know. I didn't listen after we did the audio edits. I tried. Well, it, honestly. <laughs> Last one, I'm really busy. I didn't have a chance to listen to it before it went up, and then after it went up, I was like, well, it's too late now. <laughs> At some point, I just give up, and I'm just like, well, it's probably fine, so I don't know, maybe it's not. You can write it and tell us. <laughs> yeah, write it and tell us. You can write to Probably us. give more specifics just than, like, audio sucks, because actionable feedback is, is most requested here. Anyway. Constructive criticism. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. Okay, so our book this week is called Finding Audrey by Sophie Kinsella. You've probably seen it. It was pretty popular when it first came out because Sophie Kinsella is a very popular adult author, so people were pumped that she read the wide ranks, which was interesting. I always get a little nervous when adult authors do YA mm-hmm. because sometimes they're just like, they like really they should make that transition or they think the transition means that they like need to turn their book into the Hunger Games, even if that's not what they write. <laughs> who else? Who, who are you thinking of? I'm thinking of Kathy Reaches. Who? Kathy R E I C H S. I no, I don't know who that is. So she writes an adult series that the T V show Bones is based off of about the mm. scientific anthropologist that works at the Smithsonian. Okay. And I've only read like one of her adult books. Pads on the edges of the table that go against 
<laughs> she was like, make sure I put that edge against the wall, which I did. <laughs> Took out some of the wall with it. <laughs> anyway, um, back to this vlog. No, okay, so long that story, more telling stories about the stuff we screwed up this morning. <laughs> I had a full cup of coffee, and my desk is like a little bit crowded, okay? There's a lot of stuff on it, I'm a really busy person. So I was trying to find a place to put my coffee cup, and I put it in fact, there's freaking House of Purple Cedar, the book we podcasted on like a couple weeks ago. It's sitting on the top of my desk where like I put my like my bookshelf kind of, and it's like solidly up there. So I thought because it's been up there for a couple weeks now, and it was sitting there. So I put my coffee cup on it, and the whole thing just tipped and fell. And I had a full cup of coffee go over the library books <laughs> that are at the base there, over my bed, so the sheets. The, like, sheet covering the second, like, the bottom mattress, which, like, I can't even get it off because there's a two-by-four down there. It's wound around or something. The floor. There was way more coffee, like, in my room. My stuffed animal. Not happy. Um, <laughs> um, that I think has never been in the cup before, so I don't know where it all came from. Anyway, I don't know what saliva I'm going to do when I return a book that has, like, coffee stains on some pages. People notice? Yeah, I do. Well, they sell them and use both of them. Some of them, but if they're too, like, they're falling apart, they wow, don't sell okay. them. But I'm mean, like, I have this copy of Harriet the Spy, and it's in the cover, and four of the pages in the middle. Well, yeah, they That's my copy of Harriet the Spy at my house, because I'm not this copy when she was a child. Mm-hmm. And it's quite nice, except it's in the cover in like four of the pages. I had a hot glue with Spy and the book back together before I turned it in, and I was just like, I hope this gets through the book drop. <laughs> I hope it breaks after after it right. gets all the way through and well, it's once it gets in, in, once you put it in through a little slot, it like checks itself in with the microchip. Mm-hmm. So that's not yours anymore. Yeah, because I'm sure if they see a book immediately that's damaged, they're gonna go look up who checked it out last. And then you'd be like, that could happen when the book drop. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that whole thing came apart in the book drop. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so it wasn't my fault. Was fine. Fault. Sorry, just stuff for everybody. I was the one who fixed it though. Okay. I have something else to tell you about how I don't want to share with the podcast, but it's boring as heck. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. Anyway, this book. Okay, this book. Okay, Sophie Kinsella. Which, okay, so I've never read anything by Sophie Kinsella. So, um, yeah, maybe I had no room to have an opinion, according to some people. So according to myself. Show. According to myself, I can have an opinion about whatever I freaking want to. Um, and she does. Don't and you I, worry. I actually, like, philosophically, I don't, everyone's like, you're entitled to your own opinion. And I'm like, philosophically, no. (laughs) I'm not sure everyone's entitled to an opinion. Why would everyone be entitled to an opinion? Why are you entitled to an opinion about something you know nothing about? Like, self-esteem. Well, I know something about it. I don't know a lot, but I know something. Did I know enough to make an opinion? Maybe not. (laughs) I have read some stuff and it's quite enjoyable but it's like super light like she wrote the shopaholic series yeah okay so i know that okay see i knew something about something so what i knew was that she wrote the shopaholic series so i was like mm-hmm. I, I didn't think this was gonna be quality and i was quite pleasantly surprised to find out the book was both engaging and um quite good from a technical standpoint yeah i have read some of the shopaholic books and i enjoyed those as well 
like very light. Sarah, she has 
quite a few meds, and she's clearly suffering. She has like generalized anxiety disorder um, and panic attacks and stuff. Though it didn't, well, aren't we supposed to think that um, the anxiety disorder thing predated whatever happened at school? Yeah, but not. It just like manifested. Yeah, but she was always an anxious person, but maybe like wasn't obviously to this extreme where she was yeah pretty much agoraphobic and uh-huh. unable to interact with anyone socially. But yeah, so she was like always a little bit of an anxious person, had some social anxiety, but it was like really triggered by this event, whatever that was. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, that means like Michelle said, she's like not leaving the house essentially like she'll go to therapy or whatever because that's like I think pretty much it um not leaving the house she taking a lot of meds she gets really bad anxiety you know like the doorbell rings whatever like these are things that she can't really handle um she's also wearing dark glasses all the time um because she can't handle eye contact including with her family except so she has two siblings her brother Frank I think is a year older than her this is what I gathered, but I don't know. Let's just say Frank's a year older. And then she has, like, a younger, like, a four-year-old brother, Felix. Um, and she can look him in the eye, but that's it. Because it's a four-year-old, so. Is like, Michelle, like a dog? Yeah, it's pretty much like a dog. <laughs> Not really, just from an eye contact standpoint. Maybe an intelligence standpoint. Mm, I don't think so. My dog is a real Okay, but does your dog understand conversations in English and language? He knows no. a lot of words. He doesn't. He doesn't know any words. Okay, guys. He knows a lot of animals words. Animals don't understand language. Yes, he, they do. He has a conditioned behavioral reaction to certain words. He doesn't know what they mean. Yes, he does. He doesn't have knowledge of language like that. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. <gasps> you go, hey, Marvin, do you want dinner? And he has bunny and then he's like excited and he runs over. He's a rat in a cage. He has a certain conditioned behavioral response to certain triggers. And you go, hey Merlin. So if you say hey Merlin, then he turns around and looks at you and waits for his question. Very excitedly, because we don't normally ask him normal things. And then if you're like, do you want to go on an adventure? Then he knows that he gets to go on a car ride. Do you want to go on a walk? That means he gets to go on a walk. He knows a lot of things. He knows, he knows German. <laughs> oh, please. He does. That's how we trained him in German. So. He doesn't know German. I already pointed out. Animals don't have concepts. Any Kantian scholar will tell you that. Okay, well, any dog scholar. You're not a dog scholar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but my sister is because she went on tomboy once. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the office of that was a dig. (laughs) It was a dig at my sister. It was a dig she knows things because sometimes they say them on top. I'm not going to tell you which sister, because it could apply to either, so. Wow, that was really fun. Um, anyway. Anyway, so that's I don't know I have a podcast. Or when they listen. Cool. Other things going on in the novel include, and this is kind of nice because there's like sort of a couple different plot threads going on, which I like. Um, because it's not, I think some of the expectation of the novel would be like, oh, Audrey has panic attack, she has anxiety disorder, so we'll make the entire thing about her trying to over, and like, it is about that, mm-hmm. but that's not the only, like, events happening. Yeah. It's nice to have other, like, stuff going on as well. So, her brother, Frank, is really into playing League of Conquerors. Yeah. This is not a real game, right? I assume you made it up. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um... 
He's playing this video game called League of Conquerors, and he's super into it to the point where he's like playing it for hours at a time. Um, he's on a team, and they're like trying to make it to this like video game competition, basically. Um, and this is how he justifies how important it is because Abby House is not a real thing. I just looked it up. Um, Abby House's mother in South Korea, they have stadiums built for it, and it's a spectator sport. He also mentions that in America, there's scholarship sport, and I don't believe that at all. Nichelle's piece that Nichelle's drawing. I am listening. I am also writing some cursive for practice. <laughs> um, I have never heard of the video game scholarship, but that doesn't mean it's not real. I don't think it's as real as we make it actually in this book. Like, Frenny, the character, thinks that they're just like all over the damn place in America. I mean, like, okay, this seems a little bit condescending of Americans. <laughs> I just looked it up, and U.S. News and World Report has an article called Check Out Six Scholarships for Gamers. So, yeah. Six. Total. And these are all, like, these are all, like, you know, private things. It's not like there's a college. It's not like Brown University is giving you $20,000 because you're really good at Minecraft. I don't know. Like, we're in her own consulting business, but also, like, 
can fly all over, obviously, to like consult on brands. And now she doesn't work at all. Um, so I think she's bored. Yeah, which is something that we don't really find out. So like, you know, past the halfway point of the book, really, mm-hmm. as Audrey starts to get better, basically, she starts to realize, like, like Audrey didn't even know, really, that her mother wasn't working. Like, it didn't even occur to her until later. Yeah. She's like, hey, my mom hasn't been to work in, like, months. Um, and this is, and so, this is something that Dr. Sarah, obviously, Sarah, has been telling her, that, like, sickness, like, illness makes you really self-absorbed, like, not in, like, a judgmental way, but just, like, as a factual way, like, you just start thinking about yourself only, and you don't really see outside of that. And so, yeah, it takes Audrey months and months before she figures out, hey, my mom hasn't been to work, um, because she's just not even thinking that she's thinking about. Um, but yeah, since Audrey got sick, um, her mom has taken time off of work, all of it, apparently, um, to be at home, and so she's been reading a lot of the Daily Mail, and that is when she finds out that there's such a thing as video game addiction, and that's when she decides that her son Frank is completely addicted to video games. And so she tries to prevent him from playing by, like, unplugging his computer and taking away his power cord, but he has extras, and eventually she just throws his computer out the window. Yeah. Which is, like, the best part of this book. This is, like, the worst part. <laughs> as someone as someone who lost a hard drive to a mechanical failure, um, <laughs> you have post-traumatic stress disorder, you can't part of the novel. Well, what we might do with child and go on your computer after your mom told you not to. He, like, initially, initially he's just banned from playing this game, and he can, like, use it for his homework and stuff, but mm-hmm. then he's rotten. We'll sneak up in the middle of the night and play it. I'm sorry, he's a bad kid. I think she, well, you're probably shooting the out the window, but like, removal of the computer from the property. Also, I totally would throw it out the window. Well, okay, he has clearly. Because Michelle has no impulse control. No. <laughs> so, long term thinking, yeah, I probably would be like, oh, maybe this is a great idea. But short term, yeah, I would. <laughs> Well, okay. See, this is this is what I. This is very similar to what I told my cosmetic counselors who are having problems. Even when we don't have pens, like, like we drop them on the floor. <laughs> don't worry, we'll drop something off on the floor before the end. Um, I don't have a book out, so this is why I think. I'm so flexible. We're yeah, we're learning things like don't make noise and don't move the microphone. Um. Like I say, oh yeah, okay, so my apprentice counselor sometimes would be having problems, and so they'd be like, oh, like, one of the problems we had today was this kid was playing with this giant ball during arch training that's not supposed to be, he, like, was, I don't know, I don't know what the problem was, but it involved the ball, and I was like, okay, so did you take it away, and they're like, yeah, but he just got it back out, and I was like, <laughs> okay, well, you didn't take it away then, <laughs> like, taking it away means you take the ball away. You put it in the shed, you shut the door, and no one <laughs> and no one goes over there again, and that's the end. So if you put it away, air quotes around that, um, and they got it back out, then you didn't put it away. So you put it away so they don't get it back out, and you don't let them get it back out again. So the mom's like, which I understand, I guess, before you throw the laptop out the window, because I think that's not an appropriate reaction to any of these situations. Yeah, the I mean, if he was using his computer to, like... Sell drugs, hack into the NSA. That's fine. At that point, the NSA is coming for you. There's nothing you can do. That's At that point, you throw the laptop with the window just to protect yourself. No. <laughs> if you're hacking the NSA, I'm not going to throw the laptop with the 
I'm probably gonna ask you to stop. And then I'm gonna be like, okay, maybe we could channel this into some more productive uses of our time and skills, like, I'm about to some more productive than hacking. So if your kid went behind your back and played video games, you're throwing the computer out the window. <laughs> if your kid hacks with the NSA, you're just gonna call me and be like, can you find another way to channel all these energies? Okay, how many times have I asked them to not hack the NSA? <laughs> you're right. You're right, kids. That wasn't one of my explicit instructions on how to use the computer. I should have told you. First time, even computer game, computer game or NSA hacking is just a warning. Second. <laughs> Second time is like a removal of like the battery or like the monitor or something. Third time is throw it out the window for anything, hacking or computer games. Okay, so I don't think throwing the computer out the window is an appropriate so consequence solution unless like seriously illegal and moral stuff is happening. Um, I think so understandably I would be super upset if I took the computer away and my kid went and got it in the middle of the night and was going behind my back. Yeah, I'd be really upset. But then I would have learned my lesson and be like, okay, I'll take it away for real this time. You won't find it again. It will all be gone. I'm not going to throw it out the window, but we're taking it away for real. Like, selling it on eBay. No, we're just going to hide it. I'll put it up in the attic crawl space. Everyone, did you know, fun fact, that there are gold Olympic medals on eBay. You know how much they cost? Like $25,000. I don't know. Who put their Olympic medal on eBay? I don't know. Someone sold, um, what was that guy's name? Jesse something. Jesse. He's a track runner in the Olympics. What? Oh. Okay, okay. <laughs> His, someone, someone, so he won four gold medals. Okay. And Someone sold one of them at auction, which it sold for like one point five million. But like, if my grandchild sold one of my Olympic medals, you know how mad I would be. Not that I have any Olympic medals, but like, I don't sell that. Anyway, okay, good. As you can tell, I'm not very focused. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember how we got there. Um, selling the computer on eBay, which was really a segue that I made up so I could tell the story about Olympic. Jesse like, Owens, I just Jesse looked it up. Owens. There's a lot of famous Jesse inside of the game Yeah, I thought it was a different Jesse though. Which is why I didn't say a lot. I just called her Jesse. Yeah, I figured. That's why I didn't jump in with an extra fact. Anyway, anyway okay. Back to this book. So right. there's like this subplot, and part of, and this is how other subplots get set up, is that Frank is on this team for League of Conquerors, and one of his teammates is Linus. Side note. Are these names that people in Britain are naming their kids? I'm going to reiterate, we have a Frank, a Linus, and a Felix. Who the hell are naming their kids these names? Linus is probably the absolute worst of them. No one's naming their kids this way. Don't draw the bell. That's the dumbest name. Felix, I'm okay with Felix is a cute name. I don't think Felix is a cute name. Frank seems like an older name, like 40-year-old or so. Like I said before the podcast, I'm kind of okay with, like, I don't like Frank at all. You're obviously someone who's retired and like has orange juice every day for breakfast. Um, <laughs> that's what retired people do, right? And only retired people, right? <laughs> um, Franklin is kind of okay, especially if you're a turtle that goes to preschool. That's why my association is the name Franklin. Well, my addict has orange juice every day for breakfast. This is a real fact, but I am just also mm-hmm. retired, so. That's true. <laughs> So what I said stands. If your name is also Benedict, 
I was just talking about retiring people. His name is a Frank. Okay, bye. <laughs> I apologize. You're guys. doing so well at this. Okay. Um, and Linus is like he knows Frank's Autumn and Linus like kind of know each other in the sense that they both know each other through Frank, I think. Audrey's yeah. like Linus is Frank's friend. Yeah. Like Audrey is Frank's sister. Um and Linus, like, when he comes over to play with Frank, like Audrey has sort of like her own like room in the house downstairs. Um, and like other people don't really go in it. Um, except when Linus decides to, I don't know, be nice, I guess. And, like, goes to say hello to her, and she, like, freaks out, has a panic attack, and, like, runs upstairs to her room. Um, and that's when Frank sort of tells Linus the backstory about Audrey, um, and Linus sort of becomes friends with Audrey by first, like, writing messages back and forth, delivered by, um, their younger brother, Felix, the four-year-old. Yeah. Do you want to help me out here? Do you just want me to keep talking? I'll just keep talking. I don't know. You don't need to Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so as so you can probably... Subscribe. <laughs> that's what happened. Um, <laughs> Audrey and Linus end up... This becomes like sort of a romantic subplot. Um, and... Linus basically... Linus basically helps draw Audrey out a little bit. Um, because first she's writing messages to someone who's not a family member, um, then he's able to, like, come sit, like, sort of next to her in the, in her, like, special room in the house. Audrey, like, can't look at him or, like, face him, um, and so she's kind of, like, twisted away, like, looking at the wall, um, because she sort of can't handle that much, like, contact with someone else, um, but at the same time, Audrey's therapist is sort of urging her, like, you need to take some next steps, you need to go to the house, you need to go to Starbucks and try it. Um, and Audrey basically finally gets up the courage to do this and um, has, well I guess it's actually, she told Linus she had to do this and then Linus is like, okay, let's meet at Starbucks. And she's like, cool. Yeah. But she makes it. She For a while. They get there, everything's fine. Um, but part of the, like, um, like, recovery process with this is that, like, you have, like, really, like, good progress, forward progress, advancement and stuff, and then it can kind of, like, come down, and you have, like, a smaller crash, and then you can, like, go back up. Um, obviously, therapist describes her progress and recovery in, like, a jagged line. Um, so she makes it to Starbucks, everything is, like, going really fine. Um, Audrey was like super energetic, which is new for her because she's just like drained a lot. Um, but like as we're in Starbucks, things start to get like louder and louder, and it's like it's clear to the reader's point of view that this is like really like hectic <laughs> energy. Um, and so eventually Audrey like ends up having to like run away. I think because Linus pushes her too far. At first, I was worried. I was like, oh, Linus is like too perfect with character. Like this isn't realistic. The fact that he's, like, really super nice to her, like, very understanding, like, writes messages. Because normally, I would imagine, um, most people would just be, like, whatever. <laughs> and, like, wouldn't initiate contact beyond that. Um, don't worry. <laughs> Linus screws things up in Starbucks, so it's fine. 
He tries to push her to like take off her glasses, I think. Because she's still wearing the dark glasses, isn't that right? And she like yeah. can't deal with it. Like everything is like louder, like it's too much. Like it's like overstimulating too. So she ends up having to like run home and I think like anything anytime after like these sort of like traumatic incidents where she like expends a lot of energy, she then has to like lay in bed for like three days. Yeah. To like recover. So that happened. Anyway, but that's it, sort of like basically how their relationship gets set up. Um, and Audrey becomes uncomfortable with Linus. Um, she starts going out a little bit more, going to the park or whatever. Um, she starts like asking random people questions as sort of like these challenges that she gets from Linus. So she starts to like, you see more and more forward progress. Um, Trying to go with that. Oh, should we skip ahead to Izzy? Sure. I like have very little Michelle's no help thing. This is but the plot really to me was itself. Like her voice is very interesting and engaging, but the plot itself, I was like, could have cared less about. Like the details of the plot. I think yeah, the actual events of it mean not the driving force of the book really. Yeah. So fine. this part, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not really to that, but, like, I don't know about the next is boring. <laughs> Audrey gets better, like, she starts realizing, you know, that's her mom's out of work, blah, 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 um, because Audrey got sick, so she, you can see her progress through, like, her voice and, like, what she becomes aware of, um, but then as she gets better, she, Audrey gets really frustrated with the idea of, like, a jagged line being representative of her recovery, like, she really just wants a straight line, obviously, she doesn't want setbacks, um, Let's take like two yeah. steps forward, one step back, which it seems normal. Um, and so that's kind of like the point where, as a reader, like everything's going really well, and Audrey's super optimistic. And so, as a reader, you like, oh no, this is all going to come crashing down. Um, and it kind of does eventually. So what happens is that Izzy, who is one of the like girls from school who had something to do with the trauma that happened to Audrey. We know that Tasha was, like, in charge. And Audrey even mentions that Izzy was pretty much just in the background. She didn't really do anything. She just kind of, like, let it happen. Mm-hmm. She never stopped it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so Izzy's parents reach out to Audrey's parents to ask if they want to meet with Audrey and her parents to have some, like, I don't know, truth and reconciliation meeting. <laughs> Um, Izzy wants to apologize. Did it say she was going to apologize? Mm-hmm. Did it? In the email? Let's talk about Um. Yeah, so Izzy's parents reach out to Audrey wanting to know if they can meet. Audrey's parents get super upset um, and do not want, they're like, we're not going to let our daughter like be subjected to more after like, what already happened, thanks to your daughter, um, because Izzy's parents basically say, oh, Izzy's been having a hard time, Izzy's been in therapy about it, and they're like, yes, yeah, sorry, your daughter's having problems, but, like, <laughs> she and her daughter's life, so you guys can back off and deal with it on your own, right, yeah. um, essentially their response, um, but Audrey finds out about this email, and she decides that, yeah, she really does want to meet with Izzy, and it's, like, part of her recovery, um, so then she has her brother hack into her parents' computer and fake an email from her dad. And they set up a meeting. And 
like no one's really obviously Audrey's parents don't want this to happen. Uh-huh. That's why they hack in and fake an email because Audrey's parents said no. Audrey's brother is kind of like this is a bad idea, but I don't really care. Um, and then Audrey tells Linus expecting that he's gonna support her, and he like loses it. He's super not happy. Um, and they have a fight. Um, because he's like, this is ridiculous, like, everyone was trying to help you and support you, and you're like, this is basically like self-sabotage, like you're acting like you have to do this, but you don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the whole, like, part of your recovery where you realize that, like, you make your own choices, and like, you're not being forced to do anything, and you're not responsible for other people's emotions. Um, so they have this fight, but Audrey's like, whatever, she goes to this meeting anyway. Um, and this is the part that I thought was really interesting, because it's... It was clear that it was Izzy and her parents, and they were expecting Audrey and her parents. And it was really clear that Izzy and her parents were not there to apologize or to, like, seek any kind of, like, healing for Audrey. It was only about Izzy. And it was very much, I was like, yeah, like, um, really only to seek, um, what am I trying to say? Thanks, Michelle. Michelle, no help, you guys. No help at all. Um, they're just trying to, like, make themselves feel good. Yeah. Basically, it's a happy thing. Um, because at one point, one of the parents was like, um, sorry, now I have to find it in the book. Um, and these parents are like, because Frank comes along with Audrey. Um, they're not happy that Audrey's parents are here. They make a big deal about how fragile Izzy is. Again, Izzy is not the victim here. Um, and Izzy's dressed in, like, pink ribbons and, like, children's clothes, essentially. And so clearly, like, this is all a ploy to get them to see that, like, Izzy isn't responsible for her actions. She's just a child. Look how much it has damaged her. Um, even though she was technically one of the aggressors, um... And at one point, one of the parents says, um, we just want to know, like, you know, I'll just read you the parents' response. Um, Izzy's father is like, let's put this in context. We, like you, have gone through some pretty hellish months, which seems like a lie. <laughs> We've asked ourselves why over and over. Izzy has asked herself why, too. Haven't you? How could such a thing happen? And in a way, what did happen? And who, in actual fact, was at fault? And that's when you realize that the parents are just like, like, they're trying to play their own angle. Like, it all, like, it really seemed like they were going to try and blame Audrey for what happened to their daughter. And they were really going to try and, like, push a new version where Audrey was responsible. And that, like, the girls who were, did whatever they did to her, like, they weren't really, it wasn't a one-sided thing. And it really looks like they were going to make Audrey out to be the aggressor and put Izzy as the victim. Um, and they're like, look, Izzy's been through counseling. She has a poem she wants to read from my poetry workshop. <laughs> so Izzy pulled out the poem she wrote. <laughs> Called When the Darkness Came. <laughs> so it sounds like a quality poem. Um, and it's just so ridiculous. And it really reminds me, this is the point I wanted to make. Um, it seems, like, ridiculous. But it's also, like, like the Brock Turner, the Stanford Rapist case. Uh-huh. Um, this is totally what him and his parents did yeah, in the court. With his dad, like, yeah, I don't know, did he, I don't remember. 
and present it to court or like just no I think he totally did it no he totally read that in court um about how like this has just ruined like one moment in his son's life has mm-hmm. ruined 20 him. minutes yeah so that doesn't matter it's actually like a horrifyingly long time if you think of what's actually going on but that's fine like whatever um yeah no like it's just like unbelievable <laughs> it's like so twisted um yeah, like, Rob Turner's parents, like, went up there, like, now, you know, like, you're kind of, my son, my son is an excellent swimmer. My son is such a wonderful, standing person. He has such promise. One mistake. He made one mistake. A felony. Which is a felony. Um, to be clear. <laughs> he made one mistake. And I was like, I really want to talk about. It's going to be a very teaching moment. Yeah, it's really, just all about alcohol. It's really a teaching moment, yeah. Alcohol consumption. A college culture. Because what's really helpful for his actions? Um, literally anybody and everything else. Um, now if his son goes to jail, he's like, Rob's life is really ruined. He's never going to have steak again. <laughs> this was literally part of the statement. He's like, was about, like, it's, how Rob isn't going to be able to have steak on the grill when he's in prison. <laughs> and, like, this is the most unbelievably, like, I don't even know, like, I don't even have words for the kind of just, like, unbelievably, like, self-centered, like, stance you take as someone that's an aggressor. And I guess I was doing something about it, and Brock's mother is just like, I just wake up every day asking myself, why me? Like, why our son? And I'm just like, how the hell do you not know the answer to that freaking question? Your son. Yeah, why is your son a, <laughs> a felon? Like, why why did your son turn out to be such a vile human being? Like, why did your son make That's these horrible criminal choices? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that's not the question she's asking. Her. No, it's she just like, why it. is this why is this brought on us? Like, right. And there was there was an I guess there's another case at CU, mm-hmm. the same thing. And the rapist got off super lightly. Oh, like, community as, service. As public, because that Stanford case, the girl wrote that letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, it became very public. Because well, the victim made a statement of CU case, too, I think. Maybe it wasn't as good case as her letter. Or maybe we booked and got tired of the story or anything. Right, we, we already did one, so, like, we're yeah, done. But, because that one only got as much mm-hmm. press as we could. The other one did got a lot, a lot of press. But the rapist parents made the same sort of statement. As Brock Turner, I like sort of get it. Like his parents, like that's pretty horrible. But like at the same time, I don't know if you could like the horrible position to be in as a parent. But I, I can't imagine I, how you like decide that you're gonna like. I don't. I like, maybe you're not gonna stand up and be the prosecution in your child's case. Yeah. I understand that, but I don't see how you how you're part of the defense. Yeah, I'd I, be like, I don't know how you do it. Like I can't handle this. Like, like right. and I'm not gonna even try to defend it. Like. Like, you can find yourself a lawyer, and, like, yeah. but, like, I'm not going to ask that your sentence is reduced, because, like, this is my choice. Would you believe your child? What? Oh, would you believe your child? Believe my child? Yeah, about child what? Said, like, no, it was just consensual or something like that. I feel like, even if the evidence pointed against it, like, it cannot fall apparent for believing their child over some stranger. Oh, wait. The person was unconscious. I'm supposed to believe that it was consensual. I don't know. I just like can't totally fault the parents. Like I also don't think that your argument should be like, man, he made one bad choice. Like I get that, but I don't know if I'd be able to just like 
child and be like, I'm your lawyer. I don't think I'd be able to prosecute. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't. Okay, I know you said that. I wouldn't try and like help the other side of the case, probably. Um, but I'm not going to be a part of like any part of the defense. Like, absolutely not. I don't know how you could. Like, it's horrifying. Alright, anyway. I just wanted to point out the striking similarity between yep. Izzy's parents in the novel and these real life parents whose children have done, like, horrible, horrible, horrible things. Right. And, and we, I mean, we don't know what happened in the book. Obviously, we're assuming it was significantly less. I don't think it was that. <laughs> um, but I think also. Like, there's, no, there's no indication that any of it was that. I just said the question either. Um, I think that also, uh, Izzy's parents, like, are doing what is almost to be expected of parents in that situation. Maybe, like, a little more aggressively, but that's the reason that Audrey's parents didn't agree to it. They, like, Mm -hmm. can see this. I mean, they're, as Izzy's parents, they have most directly seen what has happened to Izzy because of this, and... Who are you talking about? about Izzy or Audrey? Okay. Izzy. Okay, but you're saying Audrey's parents can see this. As Izzy's parents, they can most directly see what happened to Izzy. <laughs> so, Audrey's, so Audrey's parents can understand what's going on. Izzy's parents can have only seen what's happened to Izzy. Okay. Because they're not hanging out with Audrey, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm sure Audrey's parents were aware of what was happening to some extent. And that's one of the reasons they didn't want Audrey to go me with Izzy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, well, it makes sense now. <laughs> um, I get that. But, I don't know, I just, I can't imagine. I mean, it'd be horrible if your child was, like, involved in this and they were the bully or the aggressor or whatever. I just, like, can't imagine them trying to, like, excuse it. In that yeah, way that I think you read it a little bit more directly switching the blame to uh, Audrey than I read it. I didn't read it as much switching the blame as I definitely, I mean, the meeting is obviously the Izzy's parents have set it up entirely to help Izzy, mm-hmm. but I think they're just trying to, like, seek reconciliation and make everything okay rather than... For themselves. Right. I don't know for themselves, yeah. Yep. <laughs> but I don't think they're trying to necessarily... I didn't read it as them trying to paint Audrey as kind of the aggressor. Well, I guess it was, to me, it was, well, the, like, stuff where Izzy was clearly dressed up as, like, a little girl was bizarre. Um, that seemed like a really intentional choice, trying to, like, frame the issue, um, as Izzy being, like, having no agency in the situation or whatever, um, and well, being, I think like, a vulnerable true. victim. Well, I think they wanted to paint, honestly, I think they wanted to paint Tasha as the aggressor and Izzy as a victim as well. Yeah, maybe. Um, I just saw that that question at the end that her dad asked, like, and actually, what did happen? Who was at fault? Acting like they're not really sure of the details, and acting like there's ways that maybe they're not trying to paint Audrey as aggressive, but acting like there's ways to shift blame in the sense that, like, because we're assuming, like, it's Audrey's version. Audrey's version of what happened is the story, and that's what got these girls. Because the girls who were involved got kicked out of school. Um, and I think they're trying to maybe not make Audrey actually the aggressor, because maybe that would be um, too hard to twist those facts. Um, but definitely trying to shift blame and be like, hey, we don't even, this is what you said happened, but like, why would we believe you? Because then we also find out that there's stories going around that Audrey is bipolar and like suicidal and, and like 
blind. <laughs> um, right, and like bipolar and like aggressively bipolar, where mm-hmm. like she might be endangering people. I mean, yeah, I guess, but I like I felt like the parents did something that would be expected of parents of a child in this situation um, to some extent. And I mean, like I didn't think that like I would uphold these parents' choice as like a great choice, but I also struggle to be like, man, these guys are bad people. I really really those bad people. If my kids did that, they'd be sent to a wilderness camp for a month. So, I mean, like you can go sleep outside by yourself <laughs> and think about your choices. So, as you can tell from this podcast, Brady and I have very different parenting styles, in which I'm throwing computers out the window, but then <laughs> I just like I think they're the right and wrong like of the situation. And if, if my kids end up on the wrong side, I'm gonna be pissed, that's and I'm not gonna try and that's like why get them out. Your parent to be an absolutist, like Paige. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. I just have seen too many parents Let's like, move excuse on. their children's bad conduct and it's bad parenting. Then you then your children grow up to be broad children. <laughs> Imag- okay, but okay, but side note, oh, imagine how many <laughs> No, but imagine how many bad choices the parents have excused that this is the point they've gotten to. You know that for years and years now they've just been like they've seen warning signs and they've just chosen to be like, maybe that's not the full story. Maybe okay, yeah, maybe my son is like a little bit angry. Like, yeah, maybe he has sort of a temper, but maybe people shouldn't have them off and then it would have been fine and just like they've been excusing it for years and years and years and this is what happened so yeah i don't have any sympathy anyway let's go back to the book you can write in your own thoughts about this <laughs> if you would like to weigh in on parenting styles um yeah so this really sends aubrey into a spiral it's not so now it's like all of a sudden is piling up this fight she had with Linus who was like super upset that she was gonna meet with Izzy. The fact that this meeting with Izzy like went really badly, um, and it's obviously not gonna provide closure for her in any way. Um, and so she like goes home, she texts Linus and like, You're right, like, um, that was a horrible mistake and like I shouldn't have done that and I'm sorry, I don't eat like whatever. But then he doesn't text back and so she starts freaking out because <laughs> he doesn't text back, which I guess is normal when you send like bad emails or text messages to people and if you don't get a response you're like oh. <laughs> um now they are really mad but the service can turn into a spiral she's also dealing with all like the emotional like after effects of all like the adrenaline and like everything is associated with her anxiety disorder um and then she's like she's also she's come off her meds in the last few weeks she decided to take herself off her meds She's like, I don't need them, um, which is a poor choice. You're not supposed to take yourself off of um, meds like that unsupervised, and you're not supposed to do it all at once. Um, you're supposed to do it gradually and like with the doctor's supervision. But she doesn't. She doesn't tell anyone that she's doing it either. Um, so she's come off her meds. She's dealing with all this like emotional turbulence, and then she decides like, I just need to calm down. Like, I'll take a what's that thing called? Yeah. No, the one with the C. What? Meth? Bath salt? What do you say? <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, it's like horse tranquilizer, basically. I don't think it's Klonopin? I think it's that. Yeah. Anyway, she takes one, and then she's like, maybe one will work. I'll take two. This is the point where I think she might overdose. Um, but she like, takes two, and then she's like, I'll go for a walk, and then I'll come back and have a nap, and everything will be fine. She goes for a walk, but since she's taken two of these, like, I'm assuming they're depressants, um, she ends up, like, passing out. 
and this is where the book starts sort of like being a little bit narrated by her brother um because she goes missing for like i don't know i don't think it's 24 hours but maybe like 18 or something she goes missing because she passes out in the park and they can't find her and they're like had to call the police and they go out and search and they eventually find her and it's just like it's fine she just like passed out and like fell asleep and doesn't remember what happened um but that's really like the moment where she decides that like um to approach her recovery in maybe like a little bit of a healthier way and that's sort of the end of the novel and in the process of passing out in the park she lost her glasses um and after she loses them she wakes up without them and decides she doesn't need them um but in the book she no longer has to wear tight glasses anymore they can actually look people in the eye um and the last part of the book is sort of her and her family all of them like apologizing to linus because her mom freaked out at linus and she went missing um so they repair that relationship um Audrey's mom finds out that League of Conquerors, you can make like millions of dollars if you win this tournament. Um, so she lets Frank get back involved with that and Linus. Everyone's relationships are patched up at the end of the book. And everybody goes happily ever after. The end. I have summed up the whole plot. I don't know if Michelle is so conscious. I'm on Instagram. I'm recovering from parenting conversation. So I think one of the biggest problems that you could potentially like point out in this book is the fact that Linus is kind of the one I think the house might blow down. <laughs> it's like it's very windy. Um we might die, but it's okay guys. Um that Linus like fixes her, which mm-hmm. is like a common theme in YA is that mm-hmm. like um there's these broken women protagonists and then they have to find like a love interest in order to like fix themselves. Um, yeah. And although plot-wise, it almost sort of seems like what it's happened, it's like very clear in the way that Audrey narrates, and it's from her perspective, obviously, that um, she's the one doing the work, and that Linus is supporting her in many mm-hmm. ways, and acts as like a friend and helps her in a lot of those things. But like he's not the solution to the problem; he's yeah. just like something that helps her mm-hmm. and he to get to her own solution. Yeah. He also makes mistakes as well, like he says, he like pushes her too far in one case, um, and he says stuff that even if he was like sort of angry in the moment and like sort of right in one way, he also just like says stuff that would not be um, super nice to say, especially to someone who's like recovering, has this anxiety disorder, um, so he's not perfect either and it's not like, and he's not the solution to the problems, she, I mean she's also working with a therapist, like. Her family's also been supporting her, so yeah. it's not like it's it's just him. Now. Like he's been helpful to her, mm-hmm. for sure. But yeah. yeah, no, I really I liked it. I thought the um, protagonist was good. We were talking about the tone and everything. The one thing that Michelle and I kind of thought was like maybe a little bit too much was sort of like um, it does. Audrey, the narrator, does break the fourth wall. A little bit. There's some asides to the reader, which I thought were, like, a little bit much. I like the tone overall on the narration, but the asides to the reader were maybe a little bit too much for me. Yeah, I thought it was a really, I thought they did a really good job of talking about mental illness in a way that isn't, like, monochromatic. Uh, Audrey's only characteristic is that she has kind of this severe anxiety, and although that's obviously a huge part of her life at this point, 
her life and is a large part of the book. Um, I don't think that's the only thing happening to her. And there's also a lot of agency involved, which I think is important. I think often in mental illness books, there there's a lack of there's kind of a, an agency that's taken away from the protagonist. Um, and I think her agency and how she's able to overcome it with the support of others, but largely through her own actions and choices and stuff is important. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, we were saying before the podcast, Michelle was saying that this book seemed like a lot of things, but on paper, um, she would not have liked. And I think that's totally true, um, because there's a lot of ways that this could have gone really wrong. <laughs> Um, but overall, we, we liked it. It was good. Um, it seemed like, so as you may have noted throughout our podcast, my like, least favorite character trait of the protagonist is someone who's whiny. And this book, like, <laughs> really seemed like it could have like a very whiny narrator. It could have, like, a YA character that was just, like, fixed by her romantic interest. Like, it seems like it could have gone really poorly, but it did my whole was great. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. Great. Let's move on to our last part. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, we just pause that for a quick second. Um, because before I could discuss some things before the podcast books. Um control. So I am going to recommend a book. Can you remember how we post? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, she's gonna write this Anyway, so there's like a the, like, inside joke between Audrey and Linus becomes that Audrey is, like, rhubarb because Linus talks about how his grandma, I don't know, somebody in his aunt grows rhubarb in a shed or whatever in the dark. Whatever. Doesn't matter. It makes sense in the book. So, rhubarb is a stem vegetable. So, there are other things that are stem vegetables as well. So, on a scale of um, Celtus, which I'd never heard before, but on Wikipedia it's listed under stem vegetables, Celtus is celery lettuce. Sounds like the worst thing in the world. I don't know why anyone would admit that. Anyway, from Celsius to wild rice, uh, we give this standard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and for recommendation, this recommendation is a little tenuous. Mm-hmm. I'm going to admit that. But uh, this book also does a really beautiful job of depicting mental illness, although a little less focused on anxiety and a little more focused on depression. <laughs> Oh, there's some anxiety too. So this book uh, is totally different in tone and literally yeah. everything. Whereas this was a fun light read, this book, this the one we're recommending is um, not. But it's like a really really good book. It's like really great. Uh, I'll like recommend how you read it because there's some weird <laughs> stuff. How you read it, but it's The Hours by Michael Cunningham. Um, it's really good. It is about these three characters. Um, one of whom is Virginia Woolf, one of whom who is this woman who's throwing a party, and then this man who is dying of AIDS. What? No. Okay, so there's three women who are intertwined characters. Virginia Woolf, who's writing Mrs. Dalloway mm-hmm. at the time, this woman in the current day who's throwing a party, and this woman in like the 50s, a housewife. Oh, yeah. There is a man so dying of AIDS, but he's a friend of another woman. Yeah, he's different. The, sh- the woman throwing the party is throwing the party for the man dying of AIDS. There we go. Sorry. He's not the central character. It's very good. It's written in the same style as Mrs. Dalloway, so it's your consciousness. Uh, 
So how I recommend you read it is you should read Mrs. Dalloway either first or shortly after, probably before. Probably. Um, <laughs> because uh, it's like really connected to Mrs. Dalloway. Like it's, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of references in there. Right, so Virginia but, Woolf is writing Mrs. Dalloway while this is happening, but also like the, both women's stories sort of parallel Mrs. Dalloway in a lot of different ways. Um, I think the contemporary woman, the woman in the present day, the one throwing the party, I think her name is Clarissa. Mm-hmm. Shape. So I think that she by the flower herself. Yep, that's how I think flowers start. Oh, really? The same thing. There we go. Yeah, which is such a good line. Um, anyway, so she read Mrs. Dalloway first, which is kind of a hard read because it's written Actually, she Mrs. Dalloway said she by the flowers herself. Right? Yeah. And it's close. Um, Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of a hard read just because it's written in a stream of consciousness, which is a writing style that... Um, it's a fairly difficult read. Right, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but when you read it, then hours is better for reading Mrs. Dalloway. And then there's also the movie The Hours, which is beautiful mm-hmm. and really well done. And you should watch it after you're done with the book. It's great. Mm-hmm. That's my recommendation. It is tenuous, but a brilliant depiction of mental illness. If you want a totally different book with mm-hmm. only commonality and that mental illness isn't it, this is what we recommend. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all we have for you today. We'll talk to you next week when we're reading a different book. <laughs> I like every other week. Very similar to everything else we've been doing. <laughs> Nearly identical. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter on you should. On Instagram or Smart Girls YA Stacks, on Twitter or Smart Girls YA. You can write to us at smartgirlswhystacks at gmail.com. You should because we love email. And you can also leave us a review on iTunes and let us know that you love us or hate us. 